morning, Life Center. You can be seated. I just want to say I'm grateful that I can be in church. I'm grateful for all of you that are here. I'm grateful for our phenomenal worship team. Man, they are... They're just amazing, and I appreciate all the work they put in to get where they are and, uh, and how they lead us in the presence of God. I'm very, very grateful. Amen. Everybody say Grow Track. Grow Track happens today. You've already heard that. If you're, if you're new, if you haven't been through Grow Track, stay after church with us for about 30, 45 minutes, and we'll get you through session one, and then session two will be next week. So just want to put that out there. That's your next step in, in finding where... You fit in the kingdom of God where your talents are best served and how you connect to this body. So be here after church. So this is week two of Big Church. Big Church. If, if you just... Now, I, I, I gave Amy earlier a disclaimer. I, I'm like, I've been like three weeks under 30 minutes. Y'all know what that means, right? It means I'm due. No, not really. I'm, I'm going to try... Today may not be as brief as the last three weeks because I've got a lot of ground to cover. But if you just look into the title of this series, you're going to think that we're talking about how we can grow and how we can get larger numbers of people through the door. You're right, but not in the way that you think. It's not just about how many people we can rush through the doors. It's about thinking big picture. It's about thinking how Jesus intended the church to be. And, and we're going to go backwards for the next few weeks, so all the way to the first century, because that's where the church started, uh, and it's recorded in the book of Acts. Last week, Pastor Andrew covered a ton of ground, a ton. Jesus has risen. He appeared to a bunch of people, told them to wait for the Holy Spirit, and they, he left, and they did. And then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came and filled people, about three, over 3,000 people in one day. That would be a great Sunday. Come on, somebody. Amen. That would be a great Sunday. So we learned that, that when Jesus said the church, he meant us. You remember that from last week? I know we slept seven times since then, and I have a hard time thinking like hour to hour. Like I go into a room and forget what I went in that room for, and then I have to retrace my steps and realize, and then it cost me double time. So we learned that, that when Jesus said church, he means us, not a building. This building at this address is not the church. This is a place where we gather to worship together. Understand that. We are the church. Over time, the meaning of the word church has changed to just that. Where is your church? What kind of church do you attend? What time does church start? I'm like, whenever I get out of bed, right? So it's, it's a far cry from us being the church. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. See, in the Old Testament, I talked about on Easter Sunday, when Jesus died, the veil that separated the, the inner part of the temple from everywhere else was ripped in half and it opened up. And at that point, the Spirit of God left that box in that room. The Ark of the Covenant is no longer a place that houses the Spirit of God. Why? Because, as Paul said in his, in his letter here, don't you know that you are now the temple of the Spirit of God because God lives in you. The temple is no longer in a box. The, the Spirit of God is no longer in a box in a temple. The church isn't just a building on a corner. The church is us, and the Spirit of God lives inside of us. And if we grab on just to this one in this whole series, 
if all you get out of this whole series of Big Church is the fact that Jesus lives inside of me and I am the temple of God, I believe that your life will radically change. I believe that your life will radically change. If we grasp the fact that we are the church and we carry the Spirit of God, I do believe the way in which that we live our lives would radically change. Think about the things that you don't feel comfortable doing at church. Think about that for a minute. Those things, if we realized that we're the temple of God, we wouldn't feel comfortable doing those things at other places. Does that make sense? This is just straight logic right now. If I don't feel comfortable doing something at church because I'm in the church building, how much more if I grasp the fact that I am the church and God lives inside of me, how much different would my behavior be outside of these walls rather than just inside these walls? We would live cleaner just because we'd be concerned about what we put in our body. And what we do to our body, because we understand that my body, I understand that my body is the home of God Almighty. See, we don't think that way because we've been, we've been taught in our society that the church is this, this room, this building. I'm going to church. But if I understand that I am the church and that God lives inside of me and I take him everywhere I go and he hears everything I say and he sees everything that I do, I'm being completely... Literal and logical. Let's draw some parallels. And then I'll move on to big prayer. That's what we're we're really going to talk about today. We would eat better. Wouldn't we? If If I really understand that God lives inside this body and I've got to take care of it and be the best representation of God that I can be, I would eat better. There'd be fewer Big Macs and Cokes. Think about that. There'd be fewer cheesesteak subs. And you're like, come on, now you're, getting, you're, you're really meddling. <laughs> we would drink less. We would smoke less, or maybe not at all. We would vape less. We would jewel less. I just found out recently what a jewel is. Who knows? Who doesn't know? A jewel is something, this is a public service announcement for all parents. A jewel is something that you really don't know what it is. It's a smoke alternative, and it's targeting our middle and high school students, and the vast majority of them do it. And it has a little pod that that tastes like strawberry or a a fruity flavor, has as much nicotine as a pack of cigarettes. But see, you don't know when they're doing it because it's shaped like a USB drive. It's shaped like a USB drive, and they can do it in class, and the teacher doesn't know. So if they can do it in class and the teacher doesn't know, I would say they could do it at home and you won't have a clue. Parents, be involved in your kids' lives. My wife read an article to me this week that this stuff is searing the inside of kids' lungs. It's dangerous. Please be aware of what your kids are doing. But if we understood that we were the temple of God and he lives inside of us, we wouldn't even consider doing that because it tears down the temple. We wouldn't consider eating a crazy diet because it gives us diabetes and heart problems. We would treat our bodies better 
Better things would go in it. Better things would go on it. And, and they're, 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 you, they're, you can respond two ways to what I just said. Number one is like, that makes sense because we're the temple of God and we have to treat the temple of God with respect. Because sometimes somebody will come in the church and they'll say something and before they know it, they've slipped the cuss word talking to me and they're like, oh my Lord, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that here. It happens all the time. But this isn't the temple. This is just a building that can be replaced where we gather to worship. I am the temple. And if I shouldn't do it in here, guess where else I shouldn't do it? Anywhere. And, and there's two responses to, the, to what I'm saying. Number one is all oh, that makes sense. Number two is shut up, you're meddling. <laughs> and let me tell you two types of people. Number one is a God seeker. Number two is a justifier. Because you want to do what you want to do out there, but you want to come here and get your Jesus fix on Sunday so you can feel good about yourself and go to heaven. Oh, that's tough. That's harsh. No, we have, to un- we have to undo the teaching of society. Be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 1, so you can prove what's the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God in your life. Undo the teaching of society. This building is not church. I am church. And if I, if I behave one way here and another way somewhere else, I'm not being the church. I'm fake. They're like, please move on, please move on. I don't just go to church. I am the church. And teenagers and middle schoolers, hopefully I outed some of you. And your parents are going to dig through your stuff and find your USB drive jewels. Because I guarantee you a bunch of you are doing it. That's just where we live. But I don't just go to church. I am the church. Jesus lives here. Not in these walls. Jesus lives here. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, so let's live like it. Let's present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. I'm getting some dirty looks up here, y'all. Not from the adults. Now let's talk about big prayers. I've meddled enough. I'm sure when Pastor Andrew said last week that I was going to talk about big prayer today, I'm sure a lot of our minds went to a certain place about praying for more, making our prayers bigger and, and more audacious, and, and that's true. But... Let's shift a little bit and, and say not just simply pray for more. Let's pray for, let's talk about how we pray. We're going to see how Jesus prayed, and we're going to see how the first church prayed. Is that okay? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray God my soul to take. Jesus, bless mommy, daddy, and all my family. Amen. Who prayed like that? That's how I was taught to pray. It's very simple. It's, it's learning to communicate with God Almighty. And prayer is simply our vehicle. That's the way we... Prayer is simply talking to Jesus. Like I talk to you, you talk to me. That's what prayer is designed to be. It's a sim- simple way for us to communicate with God and let him know he knows what's going on, but us to express ourselves to him and make our petitions known to him. So let's start with a question. This question, if everything that you prayed for just in 2019, the first four full months of 2019, if every prayer that you prayed in the first four months of this year happened, what would that look like? You're like, oh, my Lord, it would be awesome. 
Hang on to that question. This would be a fun exercise if I walked around and, and, and had some people stand up and say, what have you prayed for this year? Some of y'all will be completely honest and tell me, and some of y'all will put on a show and get spiritual on me. You'd embellish just a little bit. But I know this. Most of our lives would change a lot if every prayer that we prayed in the first four months of this year suddenly happened. We'd have a nicer house. We'd have a newer car. We would be thinner or more robust, more buff. Some of us would have a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend. Some of our spouses would be modified. <laughs> Suddenly, the toilet seat would be down all the time. The cabinet doors would be closed. Laundry would be done. There would be no underwear on the floor. Cars would be clean. Y'all know. See, it's, it's funny because it's true. And you see it in your life, and you're like, that's true. I was simple. I, I've, I've prayed that stuff. <laughs> Scholarships for the kids would happen. We'd make more money. We'd have a better job or no job. Yeah. Some of you would, would win the lottery, and you still wouldn't tithe. I'm on a roll today, y'all. You get it. If all the prayers that we prayed were answered, it would largely only affect us. Think about that. Let's look at how the first church prayed. Here's the backdrop. After Acts, after Acts 2, the apostles and believers started sharing their stories. And one day, over 3,000 people embraced Jesus. They were saved. There were lots of energy in the city. A lot of people stayed in Jerusalem for the, for the Pentecost feasts. And, and Peter and John went to the temple. They were sharing the story, man. They healed a guy who was lame from birth. That's pretty amazing, right? Greater things than these shall ye do. They healed a guy who was lame from birth. And the city population was like 60,000, 70,000 people. And over 10% of the population was saved. Think about that. That's a really good Sunday. That's a really good Sunday. The temple leaders were kind of upset, and they were, they were disturbed because of the resurrection, and, and they had Peter and John arrested and thrown in jail. The next day they had him questioned, and, pre, and Peter preached a message about the resurrection and ended with this in Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no one else. Talking about Jesus. For there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. That's bold. Only Jesus had made that claim. Verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were, they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. Peter and John were normal people. They were just like you and me. They were everyday guys. They were normal, and they, here they were preaching to the temple leaders. They took note that these men had been with Jesus, but since they, they could see the man who had been healed, he was standing there with them. There was nothing they could say. So because of where, where this was and what had happened, they didn't, they didn't punish Peter and John, but they threatened them, and they warned them to keep their message to themselves. So they, Peter and John went back to where everybody was staying. They, 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 they were hanging out there, and, and they rushed back, and they gathered, and they waited to see what was happening because what would happen because these people that they had just made mad, these people that they had just ticked off with their message, they were the ones that had Jesus crucified. So if they could have Jesus crucified, they could have them put to death. So they were kind of scared. They were freaked out. So they, they told the group what had happened, and they prayed. Now let's, let's pause for a minute. In this moment, you were telling someone about Jesus. You were sharing your faith. Somebody had just been healed, and then you were arrested. You were thrown 
in lockup, in detention, and you were you finally let go because they couldn't really do anything to you, and then you went home and were scared and you weren't sure what was going to happen, what would your prayer be at this point? What would you, how would you pray? God, protect me. Jesus, save me. Jesus, intervene in my situation. Jesus, take the wheel. Right? We'd be praying for some kind of intervention, some kind of miracle to help us out of the jam that we were in. And here's how they prayed. This is going to be a lengthy read, so, so bear with me. Acts 4.24, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Notice the structure of their prayer. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the, the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do nations rage? Why do people plot in vain? The kings of the earth arise up and, and, the, and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. And here's, here's the request. It's not Jesus save me. It's not Jesus make all of our troubles go away. Here's, here's their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. It's not Jesus get me out of this mess. It's not Jesus deliver me. It's God give us strength. Give us strength. Enable us to speak your word with great boldness. That's courage. That's confidence. Stretch out your hand. They're not finished. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. It's not Jesus save me. It's not Jesus take the wheel. It's give us power and courage to speak your word with boldness and stretch out your hand and heal people and bring us miracles to bring glory to the name of Jesus. That's what their prayer was. When faced with possible death, they were praying for more power and more spirit in their lives to change the world. That's big prayer. See, it's not about the amount of things you pray for. It's about the focus and the vision of your prayer. Does that make sense? It's not how many things I can pray for. It's what is the scope of my prayer. It's what's the scope. And this is in direct contrast to our typical prayers because y'all were kind of identifying with me when I was talking about what we pray for, right? Help me. Protect me. Bless me. Give me this. When is the last time, and if you're new, I don't expect you to, to get this. Or not to get it. I don't expect you to have done this. But if you've been around a minute, when is the last time that you prayed for boldness? When is the last time that you prayed that your life would draw attention to Jesus Christ? See, because we're walking billboards, we're testimonies. If we're the church, everywhere we go, we're the ambassador for heaven. We are the only Jesus that some people will ever see, and we're acting like the devil. If you act like everybody else, if you talk like everybody else, if you do what everybody else does, how are you different? Because you go to church? Sorry. That doesn't make you different because you go to church. It's a social club for you at that point. When's the last time that you prayed that your life would draw attention to Jesus? We pray little prayers. We pray little prayers. And if you're, if you're a big prayer in here, if you pray for kingdom stuff, thank you. Obviously, you're a step past where we, where we are right now, but live with us for a minute. We can all get better. 
By and large, we pray little prayers. And little prayers lead, yield little results. Because little prayers happen, very little happens. Verse 31 says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Notice, they didn't pray, save me, give me, protect me. They prayed, let us help us enlarge your kingdom. Give us boldness and perform miracles for us in your name. That big kingdom prayer yielded immediate results. The place was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. He answered their prayers right then. They're selfless. Their kingdom-focused prayer brought results right then. And, and then. and then Luke couldn't help himself. He wrote Acts. But draw attention to something that no one would have anticipated. Something seemingly disconnected. A case of generosity broke out in the place. Because the rest of, of the passage, listen to this. All the believers were in one heart. They were one in heart. They were one in mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Nobody said, this is mine. I own this. I've got this. This isn't yours. Then snap back, verse 33. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it in the, at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. On your way out, there's going to be a bowl. Drop your car keys in. We'll have a bus waiting for you. <laughs> You're like, what kind of crazy cult is this? No, we're not asking for your houses, and we're not asking for your cars. But there was such a spirit of unity among them. The Bible, King James said that they had everything in common. People sold houses and land and whatever they had, and they brought it so other people could be taken care of. That's how society is supposed to work. God designed the church and anointed the very first church. This is the, the grassroots beginning of the church to take care of the community, for the community to be self-sustaining to take care of each other, to make sure everybody had food and everybody had clothes. That's how this was designed. It wasn't designed for the government to take care of everybody. It was designed for everybody to take care of everybody without having to be told, this is your percentage to give to the government to fund these programs. But we got, just like the definition of church has gotten so far away from what Jesus called it, so has everything else. They were not generous with their stuff because someone told them to be. They, they, weren't, they were generous with their stuff because they couldn't help themselves because the Spirit of God was speaking to them. And when we get to that place where the Spirit of God speaks to us, we will be generous. Nobody's ever been poor because they gave. Nobody's ever been poor because they give. I'm not talking about money today, but that's that. There was a natural and powerful connection between their boldness and their generosity. Their money followed their prayers. Your money follows your prayers. 
If you're praying for a brand new car, guess where your money's going? You're saving for that brand new car. Nothing wrong with having a new car. If you're praying for a bigger house, guess where your money's going? Toward that house. Nothing wrong with having a nice house. If you just pray for more stuff, more clothes, guess where your money's going? It's going there. But if you're praying kingdom prayers, guess where some of your money's going to go? If you're praying kingdom prayers, some of your money's going to go to the kingdom. I don't want us to be a church that prays small prayers. I don't want us to be a church that just prays for, for, for me and mine and my house and my, my family and my kids. I don't want to be that person that just prays those small prayers because we dishonor God with little prayers. He's the God of exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. That's scripture. So beginning today, here's the challenge. Big prayers, bold prayers. I want us to begin to pray for boldness. Not instead of what you pray for, in addition to what you pray for. I'm not telling you to, not to pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. This is not instead of what you pray. This is in addition to what you pray. Don't stop asking for provision. That's biblical. The disciples didn't know how to pray when, when Jesus was, was, was with them. And they're like, teach us to pray. And he said this, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. He didn't give us this prayer just to recite. He gave us this prayer for structure. If you, if you remember I, earlier, I said, notice the structure of the apostles' prayer and how they started. They started with praise. They started, the psalmist said in Psalm 100, enter into his gates with, with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. The structure of the Lord's prayer begins with praise. The next part of the Lord's prayer is kingdom focus. It's praying the big prayer of thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What, the, what was Jesus' prayer in the garden? I don't want to do this, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's his ultimate act of submission. And he endured the shame of the cross for the joy that's us set before him. And he went through what he had to go through. But when we pray the, the, the structure of the Lord's Prayer, we're starting with praise to God, and then we're praying His kingdom. We're praying the big prayer of, of, of God, let your will be done. Let your kingdom happen on this earth as it does in heaven. Not in those exact words, whatever words you choose to use, because you're simply having a conversation with God. And the third thing is our provision. That's where you get to pray your list. But first, you've given honor and glory to God, and you prayed his will, and then you pray for what you need and what your dreams are and what your aspirations are. That's a big prayer. You've honored and you've glorified God. You prayed his will in your life and the lives of those around you and your church and your community, because it's not just about me. I'm part of, I am the church, but I'm part of the body of Christ. The Bible says that we're all members of one body jointly fit together. Like the joint in your finger and your wrist and your elbow and your shoulder. We're part of that body and we're put together on purpose for a purpose. So 
Third is our provision. Pray for your dreams. Pray for what you need. Just pray his plan first. Pray his plan first. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be what? They'll be added to you. See, something happens when you put yourself second and you pray his will first. Stuff automatically starts to happen because you're seeking him first. You're putting him first in your life. Seek first and everything else will be added to you. And then if you feel bold, if you feel bold, if you really want God to show up, pray the second half of this prayer. Pray for miracles and pray for signs to happen in the name of Jesus. And if miracles and signs make you feel uncomfortable, it's because your, your vision has been too small. Your prayers have been too tame. You haven't had your vision expanded to who God really is and what he wants to do in your life. Your view of God is too small. It's not big enough. It's not bold enough. It's not brave enough. Let me once again be bold. Chances are, if you prayed this morning and God answered all your prayers that you prayed this year, the only difference it would make is in the life of you and the life of your family. Some of you, some of you would be married or have a better spouse. Some of your kids would have gotten into better schools. You'd have a better job. Kids would get better grades. People around you would be healthy. They'd be healed. And you'd have a good life. That's the, that's the, the brutal honesty of, of how we typically pray. But when we understand that we are the church, when we understand that his spirit lives inside of us, and we understand that the prayer for boldness and the prayer for miracles was what got the church out of the first century, then things will change. Let's stand together. See, I hurried and got us to this point. Prayer is just for us. Prayer is just for our family. They're not very big prayers. They're not very bold prayers. They're just prayers to take care of me. That's how Christians get small. That's how we get insider focused. That's how we just live by our buzzwords and our culture that we create inside these four walls. That's off mission. The boldness of the first believers is what got the message of Jesus out of the first century. That's what spread the gospel. I want us to begin praying bigger, bolder, God-honoring prayers. If you're new, and many of you in here are, that's awesome, and, and we're glad for what God is doing in your lives. And you're, we have a lot of miracles in this room, a ton. The stories, we, we did my story last year. We're going to have to do one again soon. But the stories in this room of, what, of, of where God has brought people from and the miracles that have happened to get you to this point are amazing. And my prayer for you is, is that you don't get trapped in small prayers just praying for yourself. My prayer for you is as, as you learn to pray that you're kingdom focused. What does that mean? What does kingdom focus even mean? It means God use me to impact somebody's life. 
Use me to share my story with someone else. Let me use my story of how you've healed me, how you've delivered me, how you've freed me, how you've provided for me. Let me use that story to, uh, to affect, to share with this person, to share with that person, and to affect lives that I, I don't even see the results of maybe. God, let our, let our little group on, on this corner in this building, notice I didn't say church, let our group, let our community get so focused on your kingdom and, and not so focused on us that we begin to multiply at a rate that it's hard for us to keep up with. Because it's not just about numbers, but guess what? It's about numbers because everyone deserves salvation. Everyone deserves grace and mercy and love in their lives. Everyone deserves the Savior that we have. If you're honest, even your worst enemy, you can't say they don't deserve Jesus. Who did Jesus die for? All of us. Every single one of us. The person that makes you the most angry in this world. The person who's hurt you more than anybody else in the world. Jesus died for them. And they only hurt you because they were hurt. What did Jesus pray on the cross? Father, forgive them because they don't understand what they're doing. He was hanging there crucified. Wounds unimaginable. You may be here today and have wounds that are unimaginable because somebody's hurt you. Somebody stabbed you in the back or taken advantage of you. Guess what? It, it, it's not fun. It's not easy. But that prayer has to come from you. Father, forgive them because they don't understand. what. Help me to forgive them. Because everybody deserves the love. It's a big prayer. The prayer of forgiveness is a big prayer. It's beyond you. The prayer that you pray for, for God to give somebody else a new car is a big prayer. But then we usually get jealous because we want a new car. But somebody that has a job and can't get to work, guess what they need? They need a car. Pray that God gives them a car. And then you celebrate with them. That's a big prayer. That's a big focus. It's not just about praying for, if you're praying for $500, pray for $1,000. That's not, that's not a big prayer. Pray for what you need, but expand your, the horizon. Expand the focus of your prayer outside of your walls, outside of your family, outside of your circle of influence even. God, bless our community. Drive up and down Route 40 and pray. That's big prayer. God, heal the hurting. Deliver the addicted. Because I'm the church. I'm the church. The boldness, the prayers, and the miracles and the signs and the wonders is what got the gospel out of the first century. If we are the church, do you believe you're the church? If we are the church, it will be our prayers. It will be our prayers, the prayers of the church that will save this community. And because of what happens in this community, it will spread to other communities. Do we have to know about it all? No, we don't have to know about it all because God knows about it all. But the boldness and the miracles that happened in the first church is what spread the gospel across the world. So let our prayers 
affect not just our homes, not just our families, but let our prayers affect our community because our focus needs to be outside of our family and outside of our four walls because when we seek first the kingdom of God, when we pray first the kingdom of God, guess what? We're taken care of. We are taken care of. Big prayers, not just for more, but with more vision, with more purpose, with more intentionality. Those things, not just in my four walls. I want us to pray something together. It's going to be on the screen. Who feels bold today? Y'all scared. Y'all gun shy at this point. You don't know if you want to raise your hand or not. Who wants to see God move in your life? Let's try that. That's better. Who wants to see God move in our community and in your family? Can we be bold right now and pray a big prayer? Can we pray the prayer that the apostles prayed? Don't pray it if you don't mean it. Don't pray it if you don't mean it. We'll have focused prayer in a second, but I want us to pray this prayer together because I believe that God will show up and he'll begin to give us influence and he'll begin to increase our vision out past our, fa- our own families and our own homes and our prayers will get bigger. Let's pray this together. Enable to me, let's start over. Enable me to speak your word with great boldness. Say it with me. Let's start over. Enable me to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. That's a a big prayer. That's a big prayer. It's asking that God make you an influencer. To speak with boldness. And to stretch out your hand to heal. And perform signs and wonders through Jesus' name. Because if we back up to Acts 4.12, what's it say? There's not salvation in any other name than Jesus because there's no other name. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's the prayer of the church. That's the prayer of the church. If you'd like, I can send you this prayer. You can pray it every single day. You can go back on Facebook and listen to this. You can go to our podcast and listen to this. However you want it, if you want it, you let me know. I'll make sure you have a copy of this prayer. Because that's the prayer of the church. That's how the gospel got out of the first century. And that's how the gospel is going to get outside of these four walls. Is if we pray that kind of prayer. Because I am the church. And the church has to pray big prayers. And you're like, how does it affect me? Because when we seek the kingdom of God first, it, it just falls on you. Everything you need is added to you when you seek him first and pray the big prayers and make the hard decisions. Big prayer because we're a big church. I am the church, not just these walls. And when we pray big prayers, when we get our focus and our vision stretched to where it's designed to be, big things 
are going to start happening, not just in our lives, but in our community and in our church. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Grow track will start in just a few minutes. Be back in here on the first couple of rows, and we'll get started. Bless you all. Have a great week.